Hello, and welcome to episode 73 of the Movie Brats Podcast. I am Carter, and joining me, as always, is Jonathan. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm fine. I'm looking forward to talking about one of, or you could argue, the biggest film of 2022, uh, which has already made over a billion and a half dollars in like two and a half weeks. (laughs) Yeah, maybe by the time we release this podcast, it'll be over two billion. It's happening that quickly. Uh, the movie is Avatar, The Way of Water, directed by James Cameron, who has previously directed uh, The Terminator, Aliens, uh, Terminator 2, Titanic, Avatar, just some of the biggest movies ever made. Um, it is starring Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, Sigourney Weaver, Stephen Lang, and Kate Winslet. Uh, it is a it is a sequel to Avatar from 2009, where it uh, takes the story of Jake Sully and his family, I guess what you'd say, to the next step in sort of re- uh, revealing this world of uh, Pandora. It was released he's originally. Living, he's been living as a Na'vi. Yes, in the yeah. interval. It uh, takes up, I think, 10 to 15 years after the events of the first movie. Um, it premiered originally December 6th. 2022 in london was released wide in the u.s december 16th 2022 uh, a runtime of 192 minutes it is a pretty big movie um it has a nine minutes shorter than jean dealman oh how about that um a rotten tomato score of 77 a medic metacritic score of 67 um and has made a whole bunch of top 10 lists at the end of the year and I expect to uh, win a few Academy Awards when, and get a hell of a lot of nominations when those come out in the near future and uh, eventually may become the highest grossing movie of all time. Uh, <laughs> this was such a... I mean, we really should have seen this coming because Avatar 1 was a huge deal. But I think for like the 13 years in the interval, people sort of forgot that Avatar existed. And then all of a sudden, people were like, oh, Avatar 2 is coming out this year. And all of a sudden now it's already past Top Gun Maverick and box office. I mean, it's almost like inexplicable. I don't know how to explain how this has happened. We'll never bet against James Cameron. That's what people say. (laughs) It's true. I mean, if you think about it, before the new film coming out, you never saw kids or people walking around with Avatar t-shirts. Kids didn't have Avatar lunchboxes. Could you even name any of the characters' names, (laughs) you know, six months ago from the first movie? I mean, I if I like really like search the depths of my memory, I could be like, wasn't it like Jake Sully, something like that? Well, I mean, it was <laughs> a year after the first one came out. You couldn't remember, you know, the probably not no. of seeing it in the theater. But it it's like everyone on Earth, you know, went to see it. It became it didn't it became the highest grossing film of all time, beating yes, Panic, <laughs> which was the highest grossing film of all time when it came out. And I think it was briefly overtaken by Avengers Endgame, but then when it was re-released in the last year, it repassed it and is now a two point nine billion, um, just one I don't one tenth of a billion short of three, so, which probably really pissed him off. 
So what was your reaction, your experience with the first film? Uh, the first film, I guess it's one of those ones that you were very aware of before it came out. Um, so it was one I remember reading about for a long time and sort of right before it came out, people were like asking me, I guess, because I was the person who liked movies. Like, what's what's the deal with this? Is this supposed to be any good besides just how much it costs? And then I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to go see it. And, you know, I saw it in 3D like everyone else and was just totally blown away by the 3D. That was something that was sort of seen as like a joke. And then avatar totally changed the way you thought about 3d and then obviously everyone sort of tried to do the avatar thing and and it sort of became a joke again and that's almost the most surprising thing for this one about me is just the 3d i mean what did you see avatar i guess you obviously did when it came out i mean i saw it at the mall of georgia in imax 3d higher frame rate i didn't get up to go to the bathroom i saw the whole movie in like the prime condition and i i didn't see the first one in imax but i saw it uh, in 3d i know yeah um i hate both movies so much really i hate them (laughs) i hated the first one i they are the antithesis they're the opposite of what appeals to me in cinema i just sit there with all the computer effects and People, even people who criticize the movie for its dialogue or the narrative, go, "Oh, but it's such a stunning technical achievement." I think they look like shit. They're like, I, I just, they don't. They look like screensavers. Yes, incredibly detailed, and it's incredible. I understand like what they can achieve, but I don't like looking at these movies. Like, like even on the visual level, I just am like, I'm repelled by it. I just hate all the computer effects it i don't have any emotional attachment to it it just is and especially the blue characters the navi characters they're just so you know it no matter how intricate and the way water and the muscles it, it, it they still just look fake they look like computer video game characters and i just i find them just endlessly long i mean this one's even longer than the last one. Oh yeah and I'm just bored out of my mind. I completely, I just, nothing appeals to me about these movies. They're not exciting. They're not interesting. I just, I, I said it before, but the four seconds of the man's head exploding and David Cronenberg scanners is more interesting than the nearly, you know, seven hours, six hours combined of the two Avatar films, the four seconds of the head exploding, because that's with practical effects. That's a guy's head exploding with the, you know, prosthetic. I just, I can't, it's not my thing at all. So I'm totally the opposite. I think this was like, it totally blew me away in a way that I really was not expecting. And I can, I can understand your aversion to just sort of computer generated images in the first place. And, but these, it does not look like screensavers. It looks so much better than screensavers. And I guess, I guess for you, just sort of the, the digital nature of it is, I guess just sort of something you can't get over. But well, for me, it, it, it looks amazing. <laughs> I think but it looks like, incredible. I can't, I, I just, the whole time I'm looking at it, I'm like, these are, you know, people in a motion capture with the big blue, cre- they, it just looks. Well, that's where I think that really the 3D actually enhances it a little bit. I haven't seen it in standard definition. I am interested in, in seeing it in non-3D. Um, but I think the 3D adds a, uh just a depth of feel to it that that makes the 
that makes the CGI look like less CGI in a sort of strange way for me. It has almost like a lived in effect to it. And what I thought was most interesting about this movie is just sort of how uninterested it was in, in doing what most movies do and how I guess the sort of boredom you had with it was almost what made it interesting for me is that it was just sort of about nothing for like an hour and a half. <laughs> so when film critic Justin Chang was on PBS NewsHour and said it's almost like a Jacques Cousteau film on mushrooms. Yeah, I mean, it, it that to me just felt like so different in a way that I thought was really fascinating. Um, so I, I could understand how people could find it boring because um, it almost is like an action opening and an action ending with sort of like a travel documentary about a non-existent planet for the middle two hours. But I thought that was like the best part of it. Um, just James Cameron obviously just has like an imagination on a different sort of level than most people. And obviously not everything he does is perfect. I mean, people have real complaints about his dialogue. And I, I think a lot of people think that he sort of treats his audience like they're idiots. Um, but in a lot of ways, I think that's his greatest strength is just sort of how basic and simple the stuff he's trying to get across really are that it makes it incredibly digestible um, to audience and, and obviously a way that people respond to because it's already made $1.5 billion. Um, and in that way, I think almost like the proof is in the pudding that just people just respond to it in a way that I think is like incredibly unique because it doesn't really have existing fan bases like a Marvel or anything like that. And it, not even like Star Wars can people say like, this isn't my avatar because like what even is Avatar? Like, it's just like something James Cameron came up with. It's it's such a unique franchise. I mean, do you at least find it interesting in that sort of way? Just how sort of like different it is to the other major franchises that exist today? I will say this. James Cameron is undeniably an auteur. Yes. And he is someone because, okay, I think Aliens and the first two Terminator movies are three of the most awesome action sci-fi films of all time. And I will see every James Cameron film. I will see every Avatar film that comes but out. You hate it. <laughs> and and I, I and I am interested in seeing the new technology, even though I end up usually hating it, because I just I don't find it exciting where there's basically nothing on screen that's real it just is yeah. fake to me it no matter how realistic it looks there's just this hollow computer generated i just i can't get over that and it's like you know when tarantino does all his amazing you know fight scenes and the blood spraying all that it doesn't have to be graphic violence but when something is done practically it's like you really pulled off something and when he's doing all this stuff with computers, I just go like, but you're just doing it in a computer. And it's like, I understand there's real artistry and there's incredible stuff that he's doing, but there's just a part of me that's like, but why do I care? This is all fake. Well, I think, I think it's the actors ultimately who, who grab what acting, what no, you don't think there is acting in this movie. It's, it's in the service of this, you know, bare bones plot. And it's just like, I, no, I just I was like shocked at how good I thought Sam Worthington was in this, who I think is like a bad actor. <laughs> I thought he did like really good stuff in this. I mean, I no emotional, no, no, like when characters died, when there was nothing, it, it, I just go, this is all fake. This is all in a computer. I can't, I can't escape into this movie. I yeah. can't, and, but it's interesting because it, I mean, 
it, like a movie like Gravity, almost everything on screen is not there. It's, fake, it's yeah. CGI, but there is, but it feels real. Avatar, it just, it's like with the blue creature. I think one of the biggest problems is that they're the blue creatures. <laughs> it's like you can have the amazing water effects and the skylines and the worlds are being built, but because it's a fantasy science fiction and like the the main characters are these big blue creatures. I just, I can't enter into the world. I just, there's yeah. just this, I'm like, there's this aversion and I just can't get over it. And I, I don't enter into the world. Like I don't get, and there's this thing too, where he makes it with a higher frame rate and the 3d and the quote unquote, quote unquote, super realistic CGI. It's like, he made, it's almost like he makes, he's trying to make it so realistic that it becomes fake. It's like an uncanny valley kind of thing. Yeah, like where there's the television with the motion smoothing. Like that's what the higher frame. Do you know if you saw it with the higher frame? Rate? I don't think I did. Um, yeah, it's just like oh, we're moving really fast all of a sudden in the middle of a scene, and it just it just feels like a, and, and I never have played video games, but what a little I've seen of them, they look. It just feels like I'm watching. Well, this someone. looks way better than a video game. It costs a lot more for what. I know, but it, it has it has the appeal and the aesthetics. You're just of, for you, it's just not like cinema. It's like no, a, I mean, I I respect that James Cameron is doing exactly what he wants to do, uncompromising on a massive scale. It's just what he's doing is basically everything that is the opposite of what interests me in cinema. It like exists in a weird place between animation and in real most live action movies. And I also, I mean, I'm not. Because you don't have that aversion to like Pixar movies. No, but because those movies, it's like you buy into that world. It's and the, the, you accept the kind of aesthetics of those films with Avatar. It's like he's trying to make the super realistic, but it's also I think a big part of it too is that sci-fi and fantasy are just not my favorite. Yeah, genre. yeah. Like just it you, just makes it hard for you to become, I guess feel like you're enveloped in a world that isn't one you could recognize right. i guess like even if they did do like you know a big chunk of it like shooting it in new zealand or something yeah i still would be like oh these are these stupid blue creatures and <laughs> it's just like well and this one has way more blue creatures than the first one did right. because the bad guys are the blue creatures too. it's just cheesy like the, the way well, it's, it obviously is cheesy but that's what i think kind of makes it good because it was just so unironic in earnest. a way that, yeah, in earnest, and just a way that Marvel's almost like kind of like disgustingly meta and like removed and so like sort of ironic and wisecracking in a way that this just like isn't. And <laughs> the dialogue is really dumb, but I, I, in a way that I think dumb dialogue is kind of how most people speak. So in a lot of ways, it's pretty realistic to how people actually interact with each other because. Most of the time, people don't talk like, you know, Robert Downey Jr. or something like that. And I thought that was there's just a way of it being like the most expensive movie ever made. But there are just some moments where like, oh, that was just sort of like an idiot doing something dumb that I found very refreshing. Actually, um, there was almost like a for as like computer generated as it as it is. There was a lot of moments in it that to me felt they're very spontaneous. And I think that's the sort of performance capture, which. I guess just because they're Navi, I guess you just have a hard time. I guess seeing acting in the in the performances, but to me, I thought like the young actors were really, really good. 
Like uh, Mark Kermode had a real takedown in the movie, and he took going like the Navi. Ooh, it just, <laughs> it just, I just silly to me. It's silly. It is. <laughs> but, it, but but I but the, the spectacle and the grandness of it and this it, I just can't it just doesn't it's not my thing it's not yeah. even that it's a bad film really it's just it's like profound you're just not interested in it yeah I remember someone was saying about Elvis how they hated Elvis so much and they felt that Baz Luhrmann what he was doing is like the antithesis of what cinema is it's like it's like just it repelled them <laughs> like it's like I I, I hate this so much <laughs> I actually liked Elvis there and that has a ton of CGI in it, but there yeah. are actual characters and human beings and there are some sets where, I mean, literally like almost all of this film is like, there's people, you know, in a giant green room with polka dots on their face wearing a leotard. And I like, that's yeah. just, I just go like. With James Cameron telling them to do stuff. <laughs> right. And I just can't, I just can't with it. I mean, it, but, it, and yeah. I loved I, it. I loved it. I and thought like, it was great. I, I thought it was uh, way better than the first one, which, which I don't think is a good movie at all. I think it's like an exceptional sort of piece of technology, and and in a pretty important movie, I guess, if you're sort of consistent considering the history of cinema, because it is the highest grossing movie ever, and you know, kicked off that 3D boom that you know, a hundred years from now will probably be something people study in like business classes. But um, I, I don't think it's a great movie, and I think this one actually is like a legitimately really really good movie i think it's by far one of the worst movies i've seen of the year i just I, but it's not my thing i can't stand it like i really was bored out of my mind and was like i can't it's like i sit there and like 10 minutes into it i was like oh it's going to be this for another three hours <laughs> and it's just like and i can't i just don't it doesn't speak to me and i don't find it entertaining or exciting i can't get over the computer the, everything being computer no you've always been a, a practical effects guy yeah I mean, if like, you were I, one thing that's what you are i mean honestly terrifier 2 which is this movie that cost a quarter of a million dollars which is so disgusting and depraved and nasty and it's also way long it's two hours and you know nearly 20 minutes um but those are real fake effects those are you know fake blood being pumped out on set people being flayed and their skin being pulled off and the you know and it's disgusting and awful it really but... makes the most of the sort of vis visceral nature of i know the that movie and how the medium is supposed to feel like real life i guess i yeah. had such a more of a visceral impact and not like i said not just because of graphic violence i mean fred astaire walking uh and dancing up the wall in royal wedding with the the room being turned like that's amazing to me. And then I see a movie like in the Heights where they have people dancing up the side of a building. Yeah. And it's like it's all done with CGI. And I'm like, well, but you're cheating. It's not exciting. It's it's like it doesn't mean anything. That's the thing, is like with Avatar, it I as earnest as he's trying to be and as emotional as he's trying to be, I can't it doesn't mean anything to me because it's all just fake. Yeah. I mean it, in Terrifier, I can see that. Actually, playing someone and tearing someone's scalp off i mean they're not actually... i see you just in the cinema they're going now that's cinema <laughs> i know but like the, the, it, it's like i saw a video of quentin tarantino talking with bill maher and judd apatow about 1917 and one of his criticisms from the film was like if you're gonna do the long take thing don't hide it with these invisible cuts like actually yeah, yeah. film it for 15 minutes at a time and yeah, like, and well, that I think is a really valid, valid criticism because kind of that was kind of the point of the movie was the long takes. And then for them to sort of cheat like that 
kind of undercuts the whole purpose of the venture. Um, and I, like, I, I definitely can see that. Someone could say, well, there's no way you could do Avatar without it being so much CGI. And, and you're just like, then just don't do Avatar. <laughs> but like, I feel like, so you can do anything without CGI. It just depends on the aesthetics and like what you want to do. Like, yeah, I, like it would be really cool if there was like animatronics and they filmed it on real locations and, you know, they had it. You know, I don't know. It, it, I don't. Th- I th- I don't. I think sort of part of the appeal for James Cameron is the what you don't like about it. I think it's kind of the crux of it. The the computer generated image and you know the blue people. I think I think part of the reason why he's like convinced it's important is is almost like the very thing that you find off putting, which I think is right. interesting. Yes, uh, nothing appeals to me about the movie, and yet I will see four more of them if he does them because I respect. I mean, Aliens and the first two Terminator movies. I mean, we can you know now talk about James Cameron's career a little bit. I mean, he is one of the great action directors. I mean, he those three movies. I will stand by him and be a Cameron fan, no matter what else you know. No matter how many more effing Avatar films he does. And it seems like he may only do more Avatar films. Uh, but well, that's what I, I guess might make it a little more frustrating for you, because especially those two are it's not like those were $200 million movies like he does a lot with with practical effects in Terminator and Aliens. Um, right. I was just yeah. watching Aliens the other day. I hadn't seen it in a long time and was surprised by just how good it looked um, for the time it came out. He has this sort of like blue sort of tint to everything that just makes it look so cool. Because there um, used to be things like sets, yeah. and, you know, actual animatronic, you know, creatures. And I just, I mean, and it's also a thing, like I said, with this, the sci-fi fantasy is not my favorite thing, but I really like horror and I, yeah, I yeah. do like good action films. And I feel, I even feel like the, the climax of the new Avatar is just him doing Aliens and Titanic and other of his own movies. Yes, I mean the 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 Titanic criticism for that is extremely valued. It, it was hard not to think of Titanic and the the sort of climax of Avatar too. But um, I th- I think the the movie that really sort of submitted James Cameron as like the king of the box office and also like the king of sort of modern filmmaking technology was Terminator Two. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, and what's interesting is that he was like a real like genre director like he's like a roger corman guy yeah his first movie is piranha 2 the spawning and and then he you know he's doing you know and even like something like true lies it's like this action comedy and then he does titanic which is a big shift Mm -hmm. i almost like it when he was a little bit more disreputable like not that he was like considered a bad director like he was making like sleazy grindhouse movies but when he was making unapologetic genre movies well sort of like hitchcock was thought of as an, in his own time he was not thought of as like Truffaut or something like that he was thought of as almost like a james cameron making terminator or something like that yeah like kind and, of a genre gun for hire director almost right but it, but but he became this real auteur who would take these genres and you know did real incredible things with the special effects and the technology at the time I guess part of it is that he just kept going with the technology where the technology has gone in the last few decades has largely repelled me. And, uh, did you not at least think this new one looked a little better than say like spider? Oh, I guess you haven't really seen a lot of Marvel movies. 
it it's just like it's like the crappy cgi is not as crappy as it used to be but it's still <laughs> crappy cgi like i just i i it, well it, the thing is i don't even have an aversion like to cgi because it's it's when it doesn't look like if i can't tell if it's cgi or not that's cool but when it's just like oh this is all done in a computer and it's like these are big blue creatures it's well, like, that's something i think like dune did really well with some sort of combined practical sets combined. and cgi that's the um, thing so that's where i think you're more in favor of it is where it's sort of like accenting or um almost like what they used to do with mats where it's not like the people themselves are cgi but just something in the backdrop is cgi um, right in the way things used to do with matte paintings or rear projection was an obviously like inferior version of that but um <laughs> but see, i guess to you this hardly looks better than rear projection i mean like like the old movies where people are driving and they filmed it with a rear projection and the roads going around like that like that i still it speaks to me more because there was actually film being projected on set behind actual actors it's i mean all movies are well, that's a, almost oh sorry to interrupt you but that's almost what like makes some movies like sort of interesting is what they had to do to make stuff seem real like i was watching the godfather the other day and in the scenes in the cars it's just people holding lights behind the actors to sort of simulate traffic so right. in some ways the sort of budget limitations or technological limitations leads to innovation or interesting shots in a way where i guess when you have sort of carte blanche like something with avatar way of water stuff like that just doesn't come up um in the same and, way yeah I, and like i said gravity is like you know 90 something percent cg like like virtually nothing on screen was actually there but there's still but it looked real it felt real there was a no pun intended there was gravity to it there was a tactile there was there was you felt the intensity and with avatar i just like when the ooh the blue creatures are you know flying around on the giant creatures that don't exist it's just it's so fantastical and so divorced from our world and our rules of gravity that it just it there's no there's nothing for me to hold on to and like and even i could watch an animated movie that's very free and you know playing with you know it's not connected to the real world of physics but there but like you accept it in that cartoon world like it, it works on its own terms with avatar it's like i said like with a 3d and the higher frame rate and he's trying to make it like super realistic and you he wants you pulled into it but it's ultimately this fantastical science fiction story and i can't get over like the 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 mixture of the super high-tech you know technology and the special effects with what's ultimately this you know silly totally fake sci-fi adventure science fiction you know characters and world it, it just it doesn't mesh with me I think I think uh, now might be a good time to transition to our other movie because it's it's sort of we can jump off some of the things you're saying because it it combines special effects and live action and I guess a similar not a similar way but a way you're sort of talking about uh, the movie is RRR uh, directed by SS Rajamouli uh, who had previously directed Bahubali uh, which was previously the most expensive Indian film to date. Uh, replaced by RRR, which is now the most expensive movie, uh, Indian movie ever. Um, it is centers around two real-life Indian revolutionaries, uh, Raju Rama and 
Komarum Bean and depicts a fictional friendship between them in their fight against the British Raj. Um, it stars N.T. Ram Rao Jr. and Ram Charan. Uh, was originally released uh, March 25th, 2022, and was released uh, streaming on Netflix, uh, I think in the middle of last year. Um, it has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 94 and a Metacritic score of 83. Um, and yeah, it's available on Netflix. Um, runs at 182 minutes, so another one over three hours long. Uh, another movie about colonialism and uh, Native peoples fighting against colonial oppressors. But I think this is a movie you enjoyed much more. Am I correct about that? <laughs> right. And now I'm sure people could point out, Jonathan, this movie is full of CGI. <laughs> All the animals in it are fake. None of the, an- there are no real animals. The film opens with a disclaimer that there are no animals that were actually used in filming of this, but they feel real. That's uh-huh. the thing. I don't mind CGI inherently. I hate it when it just is so fantastical and everything is so fake. I mean, there's also this thing about RRR. I think I should say that I really don't know Indian cinema. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know if this movie would be considered Bollywood. I've heard. No, people, it's actually uh, south from Southern India. Right. They're so actually not, not speaking uh, Hindi, but it, right. the version we see is dubbed in Hindi. Um, right. So even the version we're watching is not actually the original one. So it is not technically Bollywood, but it is it is Indian cinema. But when it played in theaters, was it in its original language? It might have been. The Netflix version is in Hindi. If it, if you heard. saw it in theaters, it might have been. I Hindi. saw it in theaters, yes. Yeah, I yeah. saw it. And basically the only Indian films I've seen were for Satyajit Rai films, which don't go into it expecting Pather Panchali. <laughs> <laughs> it's i mean i had an absolute ball watching this movie it's ludicrous it's over the top it's it's just exuberant but there's got an, tons of musical sequences right it, it is an historical epic it's an action film it's a buddy film it's a musical like there's full-on musical and dance numbers um and the movie's kind of ludicrous, but it has an earnestness to it like the director i think knows that it's kind of absurd and yes but it, it's just so gloriously entertaining and it's like it just takes almost any other big franchise American film and it just puts it to shame. Like it feels almost like it's and 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 it has amnesia or something. It's just like it's it's in a coma. It's just in comparison to the just insane American action cinema has been sonambulant until RRR came out. I know, and it feels <laughs> muscular. Like, yes. I think part of the thing, like I said, I'm sure there's a lot of CGI more than I even realize in RRR, but there is a there is a weight and the muscularity to the filmmaking and the action scenes where even though there's you know a lot of modern technology going into making it there is this old school kind of filmmaking verve going on that i just found really appealing when it has a it has a real way of making the stakes feel like incredibly high from the very beginning and like bad stuff happens to some people in this movie and potentially like you know children dying and stuff like that there's a really good scene at the beginning it's an an r-rated movie (laughs) it's not like super like 
graphic and disturbing, but it is really violent. Yeah, you're seeing people's like heads get ripped off and stuff like that. Um, and a, one of the more intense like whipping scenes that I've I think I've ever seen in a movie, which is also a musical number two, though. Yes, it's true. <laughs> it's just such an unusual movie for American audiences. I mean, I'm I'm almost surprised it's done so well because it's so long. Um, but in some ways, it's not surprising at all because it's like exactly the kind of stuff people like to see in movies. Like, you know, people being funny, like really cool action scenes, like a, a budding friendship that might have something more interesting going on. Um, it's it, I think it's just one of the more satisfying sort of audience movies to have come out this year. And it seems like it had a real sort of like groundswell of popularity. Like it was almost one of the sort of word of mouth movies um, that you don't really get anymore um, where people are like, oh, have you seen RRR and stuff like that? I mean, when did you see it? I saw it, I think, in like July for the first time. I th saw it in May when I was in uh, Texas going to a horror convention and I was catching up with a number of movies. And like, I know that my multiplex closest to me in Greenville, South Carolina, often will play Indian films. But yeah. like, I just, I just you know, they, they either don't get hardly reviewed or there's just it's just like oh the indian films are there and they're very niche i think but rrr i just kept hearing about and then i was like wow this is like a really good rating you know on rotten tomatoes and metacritic and i heard people saying that like even if you're not really knowledgeable about bollywood and indian films like this is one you really you know this one you should see and so I went to see it and I saw it in Texas and there was this big group of Indian people. I don't know if they were all related, but I think a number of them were family members. And I just, it was just, I had an absolute ball watching it. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> it had an intermission and it was just like a big hunk of movie. And oh, and this, the intermission in this comes at a great spot. And then right after like oh shit we were like really heating up um, and it's also like oh my gosh like the climax of the first part of the movie would be like the climax of most other movie like, <laughs> yeah you're like where can we go from this <laughs> i know but and and the movie is kind of ridiculous but it's it's just totally like, ridiculous and in, in a lot of ways it's almost as much of a fantasy as like avatar is and it's depiction of the british farage well Where, obviously like, british did, did you know bad things and ultimately they had no right to sort of rule India, but the way they're depicted in villains is this like, well, the worst people in the world. But but I mean also like where the two leads, like one jumps on the other one's shoulder. Oh, oh my god. Well the action in this, it's like very fast and the furious, like you know, Dom driving out of a of a skyscraper into another skyscraper and stuff like that. But um, but in a weird way, I can't explain it. Like I said, I'm sure there's a ton of CGI in this film, but there's this kind of like it's so I don't know it just it feels so alive and so muscular that you buy the most absurd yeah thing. you you buy that the two heroes can do anything right and it's like earn that because the two scenes in which they introduce them um are just like perfect for encapsulating who these people are and what their fight is for and what they represent um it's a it, it's it uses sort of classic cinematic tropes and more effective ways than I think American movies have in a long time. I think in a lot of ways we've sort of lost touch of just some of the things that make like people respond to movies in a way that I think RRR just gets in a way that I think very few American movies do.
Um, and I don't know exactly why the film has been such this breakthrough internationally where someone like me who's virtually never seen an Indian film outside of a few Satyajit Rai films, you know, it's like, I, I, I don't know exactly why this one over, I mean, there's what well, been... it is the most expensive Indian movie ever made. So, I mean, yeah. it is, and it was a big box office hit there, but uh, it's not like we've all went clamoring out to see the most expensive Chinese movie ever made. So, so who knows? Um, but I'm really glad it has. And I, I think this it's available on Netflix. And I think this is definitely something we would recommend to most people. It, I mean, it made the national board of, of review, a uh, top 10 movies of the year. Yeah, and, and uh, if, if it ends up playing again in theaters, go see this one in a theater. Yes, definitely. I recommend, I absolutely recommend, anyone who cares about cinema needs to go see Avatar in IMAX 3D, even though I hated it. It's still a significant film for the technology. And like I said, I still give Cameron credit for doing his thing. But you liked RRR a lot more. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I haven't done my top 10 list, but it would be in my top 10 right now. And Avatar would is one of my least favorite films of last year. Well, that's, uh, I think, a good way to, to wrap up this episode. I mean, I really liked Avatar. I loved RRR. Um, they're both pretty interesting movies about colonialism. In a lot of ways, would make a really long, interesting double feature. Um, but uh, thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you next time. 